This episode of this Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey is brought to you by Energy Healer Jean Borders' Personal Powerful Transformation Program. Know you're leaving money on the table, but can't figure out how to bring it in? Need to double your productivity and profitability? Need an extra push to get things moving in the right direction? Visit www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com slash transformation now and apply for a business consultation with Jean. Welcome to the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Prepare to feel a sense of relief and empowerment as we get rid of the baggage you've been carrying that's held up your business success up until now. Be sure to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, lean in, get comfortable, and prepare to take off. Hello, everyone. This is Jean Border, your host for the Focus Practical Dreamer's Journey podcast. I have a special guest here with me today, and it's Stephanie Pinsley. Hopefully, I'm saying it all right. You go by Steph or Stephanie. I should have asked that ahead of time. Either. You know, I, I go by either. So whatever you prefer. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, welcome. I'm glad Thank to have you, you here. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, Jean. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Cool. So let's tell the, the audience a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Uh, so I am a coach and speaker. I help people get unstuck in their careers through a unique blend of personal branding, mindset, you know, the subconscious reprogramming work to get all the fears and limiting beliefs out to whatever, not entirely, because let's be real, we can't entirely eliminate our fears. Um, but I help people build that confidence and create clarity so that they can make a career pivot. But that wasn't always what I did. I was actually a marketer for over eight years. I was a product marketing manager at Google. Um, and I loved that job for a, for a while. And then eventually uh, I started feeling very unhappy. And it was quite uh, a disappointment because I thought this was my dream job, you know, it was, you know, on paper, everything I had wanted. I was a marketing concentration in college and I got this out right out of college. So I'm like, okay, great. Um, and yeah, eventually over time, it just started leaving me kind of empty and I have ADHD. So when I'm not working on something I feel interested in for an extended period of time, I can get very burnt out. And so that's essentially what happened to me. I hit a wall despite trying to gaslight myself into being grateful for having the job, eventually my body's like, no, it's time to face the music. So I had to take a leave of absence. And on that leave of absence, I started building my personal brand, which really became the launch pad for my first group coaching program, which was all about marketing. Now I all, I tell that to you just because this all really has led me to where I am today, which is a personal branding and mindset coach. Um, And I can get into why that shift occurred, but that's really the, the basics. <laughs> I think your story is pretty common. Yeah. I, my background is leadership and I can pretty much state that my experience is not everyone is cut out to be in the same job for their entire lifetime. 
Mm-mm. Now, I know of a couple people who absolutely love what they do. And 20 years, 20 years later, they're still doing that one same job and have no desire to do anything else. And that's fantastic. But in this day and age, I'm thinking that's the exception rather than the norm. Mm-hmm. Way more multi-passionates out there. But yeah. my dad is, is just what you're describing, that person that he worked as a software engineer for his whole life. And he's completely fulfilled by that. And he was very much living within the box of convention. And I was like, let me bust through that box. Sorry, dad. But no, he (laughs) he supports me now. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I tell people who are hiring all the time is hire the person that everybody else wants. Because that way, when they get burned out, to use your words, which most people will in a specific job that they get bored with, Mm. You want them to be marketable. You want them to be wanted by other people. Don't mm-hmm. settle for somebody who's not your best fit, right? Always go for the the person who is marketable. So that's just a little leadership tip there since we're kind of in the leadership world. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about your new program, about the whole being stuck in your career and moving into something else. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll, I'll give you a little bit more context on my story so that it makes sense, uh, the foundation of the program. So like I had mentioned, I was stuck once at Google. And then again, when I felt stuck in my own business, this whole marketing thing, despite doing it for years and really loving it for a while, like you said, we don't always want to stay in the same exact path forever. We evolve. And sometimes we don't allow ourselves to let our careers evolve with us. And I think that's why a lot of us hit a wall. Um, and so this program was really built out of my own experience and really feeling stuck not once, but twice and going through all of the different steps to get unstuck. And I had touched on this earlier, but to get unstuck, we need these three key sort of ingredients. The first one is confidence, right? If we're going to make a change in our career, we have to feel confident in ourselves. The second one is clarity. You know, we know we need to have a vision of where we want to go and also understand ourselves deeply because the problem a lot of people face is they don't know what their passions are. They don't know what their best career path is. And so we have to go on this self-discovery journey or self-rediscovery to really get to know ourselves better than ever before. Figure out what are our strengths, our passions, our interests, our superpowers, our values. A lot of times our values are so out of alignment with our career, which also creates a lot of burnout. And so that's the second ingredient, which is uh, clarity. The third is new soul aligned career opportunities. And that is when we start opening up new pathways. And the way that I help you build that confidence, clarity and attract opportunities is through, again, that combination of personal branding, because the reality is when you have a personal brand, it is your greatest asset to making a career change. And it's similar to what you were saying about being marketable. A personal brand, a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about it. They think it's only for people who want to be influencers. That's not what it is. You can think of your personal brand as your professional identity. It's how you communicate your unique value to the world and what you have to offer and how you stand out from the other people in your field. And so a personal brand is so crucial for making a career pivot because number one, it does help you attract a lot of opportunities. And this was something I had a bit of an epiphany Uh, with when I was on my leave of absence, building my personal brand, creating content for TikTok, simply just by sharing my knowledge and stories. I know I just spoke about, you know, marketing, branding, mindset. I was just helping people solve problems or achieve goals. 
very quickly, I started attracting all sorts of things like podcasts and media features, business partnerships, job offers, clients when I hadn't even launched any kind of offer yet. And so this was a wake up call as to the power of building a personal brand. But the reason I really love personal branding is because it can also help you change industries. It becomes a tool to really reposition yourself and evolve. Because when you think about personal branding, you really can think about it as a lot, often the content that you create. And so let's say in my example, I was always creating marketing content. I was attracting opportunities in marketing clients that needed help with marketing. But eventually I thought, you know what? I rediscovered that I wanted to be, you know, in this career journey or helping people get unstuck in their careers. And so the way that I use my personal brand to pivot into this new niche is simply creating content about it. The more that you create high value content in new niches, the more you build your credibility, your authority, your influence, you become a thought leader in new spaces. And so no matter what you were doing in the past, I don't care if you've invested you know, your whole life into something, it's never too late to change. And if you really want to begin pivoting, start creating content, start building your personal brand in these new niches. And so there's so many other reasons why personal branding is powerful for a career pivot, but ultimately that is the foundation of the program. And the other piece of it, which I had touched on is the subconscious reprogramming work. This is key because 95% of our day is run by our subconscious mind. Our subconscious basically is just built off of our beliefs and experiences between the ages of zero to seven, mostly just based on what we've observed between, you know, our community with our parents The problem is a lot of what we observe and these beliefs that we form that run our day without us realizing it are very disempowering and they're not in alignment with our goals. And we often are very much operating, well, in the same sort of fashion every day. We're thinking the same thoughts, taking the same actions, because again, 95% of our day is run by our subconscious. We're on autopilot. And so if we can only operate out of the conscious mind 5% of the day and act in alignment with those goals, that means we have to reprogram our subconscious. We have to figure out what are the limiting beliefs holding me back? Where did they come from? I was looking over there because I have a journal called the shadow work journal. And that's one way to begin reprogramming your limiting beliefs. You basically want to get to the heart of what are the core sort of narratives that are driving your actions and motivating your behaviors because these are going to end up shaping your reality. And so that's why this subconscious reprogramming is another big part of the program. I want to go back to something when you were talking about branding. When a lot of people think about branding, I think what comes to mind is like the logo and the colors and getting your website right. And that doesn't sound like what you're describing at all. A brand is, there's a quote, I forget who says, who came up with this. Your brand is not what you tell other people it is. It's what other people tell each other it is about you. So it's basically how you are perceived by others. It's not just your colors, your logo, your name, which is part of it. That's only one part. Your brand is all the intangible and tangible aspects. So this is not just the visuals and, you know, the, the logo, the color palette, but it's also the voice. What is your brand purpose? What are your values? How does your brand sound? What's the brand personality? How do you want people to perceive your your brand, aka you, if we're talking about a personal brand? And your core values are also another huge part of your brand, more of the intangible aspect of it. And these are really just the core drivers. What do you want to sort of guide your, your brand? What are 
you know, the main themes that are really going to be the underpinning of everything that you do and say in, in, within your personal brand. And so it is much bigger than that. And that's why this one part of the program is all about building your brand identity. And we cover both the tangible and the intangible, because again, it's not just the obvious logo colors like you had mentioned. So then let's move on to the second part, subconscious beliefs. It is very interesting that we live our lives on beliefs that we created when we were too young to understand how the world really works. Mm. We come from a place where we have a limited knowledge and experience of the world, so we have a limited viewpoint. We don't understand what the adults are saying when they say certain things. We don't understand what we're seeing on TV, so it may scare us, and we have no context to make rational sense of it. But our subconscious decides, ooh, that's scary. I must protect you from that. And Mm -hmm. so we create belief systems around all these things that we're really too young to understand. And that's how we live our lives forever unless we become aware and take steps to address them. Absolutely. So so how does that work in your program? How do you even figure out what you need to address? That's a great question. And that's important because a lot of people don't even understand the beliefs that are running their lives and dictating their actions and behaviors and reactions. And so first is bringing these beliefs to the surface. And we do this in a few ways. A lot of it is really just, again, shadow work. So let let me give you an example of one exercise. I will give you a list of statements and you rate between uh, never and often how frequently these feel true for you. So as an example, one would be, I am confident in myself and my ability to succeed. I believe in my vision. I can make decisions easily on my own. All of these different beliefs are sort of given to you in a list and you rate how often you feel that these are true for you. The ones that you don't feel that you can resonate with often, these are starting to get to the core of the limiting beliefs. So let's say you realize that you don't often feel confident in your ability to make decisions on your own. Now we ask, why not? What was the event or the messaging or the person in your past that really shapes that because the reality is we're not really creating our own beliefs unless we are actively doing this work. We're just picking up whatever we are observing, right? So we're basically allowing the people and experiences of our past to pull the strings in our life unless we're actively changing it. And so we have to see like, was there an event in our childhood that really kind of planted this seed that got you into this place of not really trusting in your ability? So as an example, I did this exercise when I was, Um, beginning to pivot into entrepreneurship and quitting Google. And this was a huge game changer for me because one of the big beliefs that came up for me was that I didn't think that I was ambitious. I didn't think I could, you know, be successful on my own. And so when I started to dig into why, I realized that this was a result of my untreated ADHD as a child. Because unless I was up against a very like bitter end of a deadline, I couldn't get my work done. I would procrastinate to the last minute. And so my parents would say, why are you such a procrastinator? And I was telling myself that I'm a procrastinator. I internalized this as I'm not ambitious. I'm not going to be able to do this on my own until I realized that and saw like, oh, this is just because I wasn't treating my ADHD. 
I wasn't, I couldn't have understood that unless I went through those exercises. And then once I did, then I began to reprogram that belief and shift that more disempowering belief into something that's far more empowering. And this takes not just identifying, but then doing these different techniques like meditation, journaling, visualization, all of these different subconscious reprogramming techniques to start to rewire these narratives so that you can set yourself up for success. You've mentioned a a term several times, and our listeners may not be familiar with it. So I'm going to see, I'm going to ask you to explain a little bit. What do you mean by shadow work? Shadow work is basically when we are bringing our unconscious to the conscious mind. So we're essentially figuring out, again, what are those core sort of beliefs, narratives that are unconscious And how can we bring them into our conscious mind to integrate them and become more aware of them so that we can then start doing the work to shift these beliefs in a way that empowers us? So it really is just about bringing the unconscious to the conscious and then doing the work to integrate and shift these beliefs. And how did you get into that methodology? Well, it's mindset work has always been something I've been fascinated by. Even in college, I took a class psychology was one of my favorite courses and uh, this class called consumer behavior. So I began learning about this, this sort of work. And honestly, a lot of it was just self-taught after that because I just am so thirsty for knowledge. I'm always trying to learn more. Um, And so I essentially just dove into this and practiced it and read books on it. For example, there's one book that I love, which is uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. He walks through a lot of these different techniques and meditations that you can do to start changing these subconscious beliefs because changing the beliefs is not easy. That's probably obvious, but it's really difficult to shift that narrative. It requires you to consistently practice something called metacognition, which in other words, is just watching your own thoughts. So position yourself as the watcher. You're not your thoughts. A lot of people think they are. And so if you position yourself as the person watching your thoughts, now you can begin to become aware of what are the themes that keep coming up. Because you're, again, we have the same thoughts over and over again every day. You don't realize it. And so metacognition is the practice of becoming aware of what these thoughts are so that we can actively change them in the moment. So let's say I'm thinking I'm working on something and I get discouraged and think, oh, this is never going to work. It's taking too long. Metacognition would mean in that moment, recognizing that that narrative and saying, "Ah, actually, no, I don't believe that. I understand that pursuing a big goal takes a long time and takes consistency and effort. And, you know, the, the biggest blessings come after the hardest challenges. And so that's all about that practice of metacognition and reframing. But again, it, it takes it takes work. My big takeaway a lot of times when I have these kind of types of discussions are these are just thoughts and thoughts can be changed if you choose to go there. Yeah. And but I the think- first step is awareness, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I typically go by a three step process, awareness, focus and strategic action. Keep focus on your goal. Take the actions to get you there. You're going to see movement. It may not be immediate, like you said, right? It may take a while to get there. Mm-hmm. Just continue the process. Every little step you take gets you closer to where you want to be or whatever change you want to see happen in your personal life, in your business life, inside yourself. 
This is why I'm such a big fan of learning how to build discipline as a muscle, because I think too many people rely only on motivation. And if we're trying to build this consistency, like you're talking about, we have to learn how to work the muscle of discipline. Because I like to think of motivation as that fair weather friend that only shows up when they feel like it. And when you hang out with them, they're fun, feels good, but you can't rely on them. That's basically motivation. Discipline is that ride or die friend that's always there when you need them and will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. So it might sting sometimes. Discipline doesn't always feel good, but it's what you need if you're going to pursue something and maintain that consistency. And the more that you work this muscle of discipline, the easier it will be to draw upon in the future. And I think this is one of the most crucial factors to success that a lot of people miss because they think of discipline as punishment. That's really how we've sort of associated it, especially growing up. But we have to reframe it for ourselves as the highest form of self-love and really change the way we relate to discipline so that we can begin to call upon it when we need it. And even if that means you're only taking the smallest action, whenever I'm feeling that I can't really call upon this discipline, I like to apply the like bare minimum approach which is basically do the minimum amount of effort required in order to stay on track with this goal. So let's say I had a a goal of, you know, coming up with five content ideas and I'm just not in the mood. So the bare minimum effort approach would be maybe just writing down five words for each of the content ideas, just one word association, even though it's not a huge, you know, strive forward. Number one, little actions every day make huge progress long term. But number two, when we take the pressure off to do something perfect and just apply the minimal amount of effort, we begin to build momentum and we start doing more than we initially had planned because that's really the the key is getting over that initial hump. So why do you think as a society, so many of us just get stuck in old habits, in routines, in things that really aren't serving to move us towards anything? They're just letting us exist because it's easier to live our fears than it is to live our dreams. It's easier to stay in the routine because like I had mentioned with our, with everything, you know, with the routines that we build, it becomes comfort. Even if it's not what we want, it's what we sort of are trained. Our brain is trained to do these things. And so it takes active effort and awareness to really break patterns. But a big reason I think a lot of us are stuck in our careers, which over 70% of people globally feel stuck professionally, which when I read this step, it was mind blowing. Wow. Um, Isn't that crazy? And the reason I think a lot of people end up getting stuck is a few things. Number one is we often make decisions about our career based on factors outside of ourselves, as opposed to our own internal compass. Because naturally, when we pick a career, it's normally based off of a major that we chose before our brains had even finished developing. Maybe we were pushed into a certain path. Our family and friends influenced us. And we're just used to turning outside of ourselves for external validation and feedback. The problem is it leads to such a deep disconnect with our inner voice. And so we end up getting stuck in these wrong careers that are deeply misaligned with our values, our interests, and our strengths. And then we end up getting very stuck and burnt out. But again, if we're not becoming aware of this and we're not actively practicing the work to build the confidence, create the clarity, attract new opportunities, it's very hard to get unstuck because normally when we're stuck, we're burnt out, we're lacking time, we're short on energy, 
And so it, it, it's hard to call upon that when you're already not feeling good. And so the key is really starting with, again, taking a step back, pausing, building that awareness so that you can move intentionally. And a lot of the issues I see with people that are stuck is they apply this sort of like chaotic method of doing a lot of things in an effort to change their situation. That could be quitting their job and just joining another one job hopping. It could be, you know, just shooting out a bunch of applications. It could be if you're an entrepreneur, maybe just throwing yourself into the sort of mundane kind of work that isn't really pushing the needle forward, but feels productive. Maybe that's, you know, creating a ton of content. All that is to say in doing this, as we're sort of thrashing, we're draining our energy. And now we're feeling less motivated and empowered to change than before because the actions we're taking did not support our change. And so it's important before we do anything, we gain that personal awareness, that clarity so that we can move with intention and be deliberate. Because I always thought that, not always, but I've recently thought that when you get stuck in your career, it's kind of like falling into quicksand. And we know that if you're in quicksand, the more that you thrash around, the deeper you get sucked into the sand. The key to getting unstuck from quicksand is to move, first of all, backwards first, slowly, intentionally, but take a step back. And that's exactly what we have to do when we're trying to get unstuck in our careers. Reflect back on our past experiences so we can build that awareness and then move with intention going forward. So I'm taking it that those are the major mistakes people made when they're trying to get unstuck is they take action without knowing what the heck they want. Exactly. (laughs) People think they know what they want because, or often we think we know what we want because it's something that we're really good at. Like for example, myself, I had such a hard time letting go of marketing because not it was my identity, number one, but also I was good at it. And it was the only thing I had done for a long time. And so for a while, I just thought that's what I was meant to do. Just because you're great at something and you've done it for a long time does not mean it's your best path. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make as well. Yeah, one of the things I see people, well, I think people are told that if they want to be committed to a change, they have to quit their job and start with nothing to show you're committed. And I'm like, what the heck? You know? No. <laughs> That's great for you because you're a multimillionaire, you know, but not everybody's in that position where they have all that cash to fall back on. So you create attention for yourself before you ever realize what it is that's going to get you peace, joy, contentment, money, emotional support, whatever it is, right? That's also why I'm such a big fan of personal branding because you do it in parallel with your current career at the pace that you want because quitting your job and just starting from scratch is not is not wise for most people again unless you're a millionaire and you have a ton of money saved and so we have to again be intentional but personal branding allows us to number 1 gain clarity on which path feels most aligned because again a lot of us are multi-passionate we might know like for example i was into marketing branding mindset And so as we create content in each of these different niches or pillars, you can think of them as your content pillars, um, we can start to see, is this resonating with me? Is it lighting me up? And number two, is this resonating with my audience? Are people responding and reacting and asking for more help around this particular 
pillar. So now that we see, oh, this is resonating with me, this is resonating with my audience, now I can start to build awareness of which path will be best. It's almost like trying on a career for size before actually quitting. But again, because we're creating high-value content, we're attracting opportunities, we can start to create income, sources of income in the interim period. Start launching small offers that could look like, you know, one-off coaching calls that people can book through Calendly and start to build, you know, sources of income. Number one, not just as a support, but also as a way of further testing the viability of this new path. And so personal branding, again, is such a powerful tool for making that pivot because, again, you get that flexibility, that added, you know, clarity as to what path feels most aligned and you're building that authority that credibility and new spaces so that when you do choose to quit your career you're doing it with a safety net already created the opportunities are already lined up you've already sort of attracted leads or job opportunities and that is what gives you the ability to transition smoothly as opposed to just quitting your job and you know changing and and going for it full speed ahead so when you were making the shift from your Google career to where you are now and you took time off and you created your new pathway, what are some of the obstacles that you ran into that might have been avoided <laughs> but weren't? This is an awareness piece for our entrepreneurial type listeners out there. Well, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> Look, the path to success is to success is fraught with obstacles. Um, I have faced so many and I continue to, but I think the number, the first one, which was a surprise to me and took me a little bit to learn was sales was difficult for me at the beginning because I wasn't confident in what I was selling. And the key to sales is confidence because if you're not believing in what you're selling, the people on the other end of that sales call are not going to believe it either. And so that was a lesson that was hard for me to learn. But the other lesson that was really difficult was you can't, this is a lesson I just learned recently. (laughs) Like I'm really coming out of it now um, because I'm building my new program path to purpose and I'm trying to hit these deadlines I've set for myself. And so I became so single-mindedly focused on this, on this program and building this, um, this launch, getting it ready. I completely neglected all other areas of my life that give me passion. It was just all career. I stopped hanging out with friends. You know, I did a lot. I didn't really invest in the things that made me feel good. I thought, you know, just put your head down, work, get it done, and then you can enjoy your life. Please don't do that. You're going to end up getting burnt out. That's exactly what happened to me. I hit a wall. And this was a really important lesson for me because if we are to be successful and be able to maintain this in the long term, We have to learn how to not only pace ourselves, but also integrate moments of joy and pleasure and play into our everyday life. It's not something that you can put on the back burner. And I should have known this because I kind of had this lesson show up first when I was stuck at Google. It was very much my mental and physical health just were not the priority. It was only career. And I ended up again hitting that wall. And so I think really being mindful before you start your entrepreneurial journey of what are the sort of key metrics that you're going to track that will help you maintain sort of success and and your value. So as an example, I actually learned this from this entrepreneurship course through Cornell I took um, uh, when I when I first quit. 
So your entrepreneurial dashboard are the things that you want to track throughout your journey to make sure that you're keeping your values top of mind. So when I quit Google, I put my mental and physical health at the top of my entrepreneurial dashboard, the metrics I really want to pay attention to because I established from the beginning, I'm okay with slower growth as long as it means that I'm prioritizing my mental and physical health. So before you start your entrepreneurial journey, figure out what are the things that are important to you? Maybe you really want to continue investing in a certain hobby or interest and you don't want to let that slip. Keep track of that. Be sure that you're not allowing the things that are important to you fall away. And unfortunately, I lost sight of that a bit um, recently on this launch because, again, I just became so single-minded. So don't don't go into a rabbit hole either. It's all about balance, as trite as that my, might sound. We are also our own worst critic. So we get set on a path, and then we put this internal pressure on ourselves that I must meet this made-up date made up Mm -hmm. money goal, whatever it is, this made up number that's going to drive my life. And if I don't make that goal, I'm a terrible person and I failed and, and I should be flogged. And it's very interesting. The conversations we have inside ourselves where we would never even talk to a stranger the way we're talking to ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, but being aware of that, I'm going to use a real life example. A friend of mine just ran a half marathon over in Europe And her first post after finishing this half marathon was, I did such a terrible job. And it went on and on and on about how she she came in four minutes later than she wanted to. And I'm like, you finished. Oh, my gosh. Two years ago, you wouldn't even contemplate doing this. And now you're upset and you're beating yourself up tremendously. For a made-up number that doesn't mean anything to anybody except inside your head, it was a way to say, I'm worthy or I'm not worthy, mm-hmm. right? I deserve success or I don't deserve success. I made it or I'm a complete failure. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll I'll just tell my clients, be gentle with yourself. Don't treat yourself worse than you would treat a, a stranger on the street, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's so easy to get wrapped up inside that internal dialogue that we have that go back to our early beliefs that are now driving our current reality. Exactly. Our brains are hardwired to focus more on the negative than the positive as well. That's just an evolutionary response that kept us safe because when we're running down the savannah and a lion's chasing us, we want to be more aware of that, you know? (laughs) And so it's, you know, that was helpful back then, but now it's not serving us. And so we are our own biggest critic and being able to recognize that and really treat yourself the way you would want to be treated. But also think about, would you say this to your younger self? If you have like a picture of yourself as a young kid, maybe put it on your mirror. If you find yourself being self-critical and really speak kindly to that person, love that person. You have to almost reparent yourself um, and that means recognizing and celebrating the small wins and patting yourself out, uh, patting yourself on the back when you are faced with a challenge or a, a failure because, hey, you made it through and you didn't give up. I think that's so important. Being gentle. That's something I always tell my clients as well. And something I'm trying to work on with myself, because if you apply this very di- like not discipline, see, that's the wrong sort of perception of discipline that was coming up. Um 
if you apply this all or nothing mindset and you look at yourself as either a failure or success based on a goal, number one, you'll never be happy. But that's the fastest path to set yourself up for failure because life is a very sort of, we all know things happen. You can't predict how, you know, a certain plan is going to work. And if you try to have it all mapped out first and then, you know, are so rude, not rude, but mean to yourself when it doesn't happen the way you had imagined, that's not serving you. The best thing that you can do is learning how to be kind to yourself, practice compassion, and pick yourself up when you are feeling like you just hit a failure. That's probably the number one skill I would recommend to anyone that's trying to be an entrepreneur is self-compassion and resilience to keep moving through you know, the inevitable but unforeseen challenges that come up. You mentioned putting a a picture of your younger self on a mirror, and I I like that. Do you have any other little practices that people could utilize to help get them out of their negative self-talk? When we talked about metacognition, um, journaling is huge. Journaling is a really big one. So really just writing down all the thoughts that that you're thinking about yourself, what are the things you're telling yourself, and then reframing them. So I gave an example earlier, but, you know, if you are writing down, you know, like, I look fat and I hate my body, you could reframe that as, you know what, I am healthy, my body's able, and I'm just grateful that this vessel I have is, you know, self-healing and and able to keep regenerating. So really writing down all of the different beliefs that you have, how you're speaking to yourself, reframing, that's one. Um Meditation is huge. Being present, learning how to bring yourself into the present moment is also really important when it comes to rewiring this self-talk because, again, we have to be aware of it. Um, And a book that I love, I always recommend, maybe my favorite book of all time is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. It's such a powerful book and it really helps you understand how to bring yourself into the present moment. And I think when you are able to get yourself out of your hyperactive mind, the spiraling, the overthinking that we all do, I mean, my brain does not shut up. It literally is constantly, constantly going. So the only way to get it out of that is bringing it into the present moment so that I can consciously be kinder to myself and and speak kindly to myself. Also, I just learned this the other day. I really have to share it because it blew my mind. (laughs) If you're like me and you have a very hyperactive mind, this hack, if you cover one eye, your brain will quiet down. It's amazing. I did, I wish I had known it sooner, but try it and comment. Leave a comment to see if uh, it worked for you. Also, rate and review, guys. I don't feel like people rate and review podcasts. And- <laughs> That's cool. I've never, well, yeah. I've never heard that, but I've, I was going to say I've never tried it, but I've never tried it because I've never heard it. So, yeah. <laughs> but apparently you've tried it and it worked for you. Yeah. And other people have too. I actually, uh, I, I posted a story about it and I asked people to try it and I did a poll and everyone that voted on it said it worked. So give it a try. I promise you will be surprised. That's hilarious. I mean, that's good, but it, it's, it's something so simple. Right. Too bad. There's not more of those hacks. Um, but yeah, I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I think really, again, when we, when we're talking to ourselves, we really need to understand who we're talking to. You're you're speaking to the ch- the child version of yourself, the teenage version of yourself. Would you want someone to speak to that version of you that way? Absolutely not. You have to speak to yourself kindly, or else you are truly embedding the, this negativity into 
you know, the younger version of you. That's why inner child work is so important. Okay, there's another term. Define inner child work for our listeners. It's inner child work is almost reparenting the younger you and treating the inner child version of you as the as how you wish and should have been treated because a lot of us just have a lot of trauma from growing up and as much as our parents may have the best intentions and interests um have our best interests at heart they can often instill a lot of negativity and sort of harmful beliefs and so doing inner child work means again like imagining you're talking like writing a letter to your younger self maybe you're reflecting on a past trauma that really shaped one of the core beliefs that is driving your day something around confidence like maybe you you realize through the work we were discussing earlier that you know you had this moment when you were a kid and the teacher like scolded you so bad in front of the class and that just completely destroyed your confidence inner child work is not just recognizing that but reparenting yourself so as an example writing a letter to that younger version of yourself and saying hey you know don't internalize this i'm so proud of you for speaking up and for putting yourself out there you you know you should be confident and comfortable with this and so i know it might sound a little strange um especially if you've never done this kind of work before but again it's really just about reparenting your younger self i think some people more people have heard of writing letters to your future self like the whole Jim Carrey writing out a check to himself for however much money it was, you know, and, mm-hmm. it, and it came true because he came, he became aware this much money is my goal to get a check for that, for what I do. And he carried it with him all the time and he f- stayed focused on it. And that helps wire the brain to take actions to move you towards that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So people are used, I, I think people are more aware of utilizing that process to affect future events. But I don't know that everyone realizes you can do the reverse that will also affect future events. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I don't want to get too into it because I'm not, I don't have, I'm not well-versed in the research enough, but, and this is a bit woo-woo. Some people might think like, this is crazy. Um, But there is research that shows that if you can affect, you can change the present or the future by changing the past. And so there's a study that I actually, I don't want to get into it because I'm not, like I said, I'm not well-versed enough, but there is real proof that you can significantly affect things by doing work on the past. Now take that as you will. I know a lot of people might think that doesn't make sense because they see time as linear, but you know, is time linear? Are we just, do we just have the now, our past, present, and future all just stacked on top of each other? That's getting more into like quantum theory and stuff again that I'm not smart enough to talk about, but I, it is a strange concept when I speak about it out loud. No, it's really not. I'm big into sci-fi. I'm, I'm yeah, so same. much about the future and possibilities. That's the past. Yeah, that's nice, but it's over. You know, we'll, we'll let that go. I want to focus on what's coming. Right. Yeah. Um, but part of how do I say this? Part of this podcast is to combine the energy woo woo stuff with people who speak English. 
<laughs> okay, there's energy speak, and then there's English. And so most of what I do is try to speak in English terms, introducing the energy stuff, the mindset, all that kind of the, the techniques that you brought in. They both, it's just how they're presented as to how people will take it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely hilarious that you brought that up because it totally fits, right? <laughs> but yeah. trying to explain this stuff in English instead of energy, science helps a lot. There are all kinds of studies being done now. Um, in the energy world, there's um, a, the Association of Comprehensive Energy Psychology is a, a group that I belong to. Um, it's mostly psychologists and psych, you know, the medical professionals, which I'm not, but it's also energy workers. Mm. Um, and so when people want to see the science, I refer them to that website. And it's got all these medical professionals who've done all these studies about how the brain, what parts of the brain light up when you do this work, mm-hmm. you know? It is a physical change within the body. It's not just me talking and something happens. Well, it is me talking and something happens. But scientifically, there is a physical change that happens. It's not my mission to study that. It's just my mission to help people out, right? Joe Dispenza does a great job of bridging that gap between the energy and um, the physical, making people understand. So again, if you guys are interested more in this, the book breaking the habit of being yourself he explains the science behind it and it'll sort of support the spirituality i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no 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 that's fine yeah i mean i've taken all the classes on how to speak but i that's that's not my mission you know i just Mm -hmm. okay you tell me where they are all of the latest studies here they are i can send the science people there and everybody's happy you know but it, it is good that more and more studies are being done to show that things do happen physically within the body when you do this woo-woo stuff. (laughs) I mean, things just get stranger and stranger every day. I think the Nobel Peace Prize winner this year was basically proved that reality isn't even real. This is, again, getting into like quantum theory, which I do not understand well enough. But I'm such a spiritual person. I had a spiritual awakening in 2020. I'm a tarot reader now. I'm so into energy. I love energy work. Um, I think it's important to have both. I mean, look. My dad is the most scientific non-believer that there is. And I was like that for a while because I just sort of mirrored him. And I had that awakening and I realized that there's a lot more to this than what we can prove on the physical plane. And once you start getting into some of the quantum mechanics of it all that that does bring the science into the spirituality, you start to see that this there's a lot that we don't understand. I, I was going to give an example like spooky action at a distance, but again, too, uh, too nuanced for me at this point. I'll come back and maybe talk about it once I've done more research. <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the um, conferences that I went to, they were showing how energy can exist in two places. The same energy can exist in two places at the same time. Yeah. It was an energy conference, right? Um, so they had one person over here on the stage and they were feeling where the, the imbalance was on the person and they could tell you about how far out it was, you know, different people could find it. It was there. Yes. And then the, the, the speaker went to the other side of the stage and he was just doing this and he affecting changes and people could feel the changes that were happening. So the same energy in two places at once. Right. 
Yes. And that's all my work is remote. I don't do my, my business is not set up so that I have an office that people come to. It's all by phone or by, by, you know, looking at somebody on the computer or whatever. It's mm-hmm. very interesting how this stuff works. And scientifically it does work. It's free. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I tell people it's like being on a cell phone. You get on your cell phone, you call a number, you know, who's going to answer if you dial it right. Right. That same thing with like remote work. I'm talking to you. I don't know where you are. You could be in Japan for all I know, right? Doesn't matter. We've got this weird energetic connection that's happening where you can see me and hear me and I can see you and hear you. There are no wires connecting us. We're just talking. Hmm. I think energy management is such an important skill to learn as well, because if we aren't able to understand what are the energy drains? What are the sort of who in our lives are almost acting as vampires? Are there people that are stealing our energy and our life force? We have to learn how to protect our energy, how to raise our vibration, all of the sort of more spiritual woo-woo energy terms. Um, But it is important because that is what is required if we want to be able to maintain progress in the long term, knowing how to manage our energy, knowing how to call like shift from a negative mindset vibration to a positive mindset slash vibration um things like meditation you know that that can help a lot of the stuff we talked about earlier but yeah i i i'm glad we touched on this because i don't think it's spoken about enough especially in the small business community it's definitely becoming it's it's a burgeoning topic i think more and more people are waking up to the fact um that this stuff is important and very very real um but yeah i don't i still don't think it's discussed enough what you were just talking about was making sure that, you know, you, you protect yourself. I consider that like energy hygiene, just like you take mm-hmm. a shower when you get physical dirt on you. Sometimes yes. you're around people, you pick up their stuff and it just doesn't sit well with you and you need to energetically get rid of their dirt, Yep. you know? And so sometimes I'll, that my clients say, well, I don't know. What what do you think? How often should I'm like, how often do you take a shower? You know, I mean, you don't want to go a year without doing energy work because then it's just all getting rid of the stuff and not helping you move forward. It's just helping you get unstuck, right? <laughs> to get back to your term, unstuck. Yeah. I uh I actually every day when I take a shower, I've I've attached my sort of energy clearing uh work to my shower so before i take a shower i sort of ask that my spirit team you know like cleanse and shield my body and mind all i say this long prayer basically of all the things that i don't want to pick up and then i use the shower as almost like a ritual to sort of wash it away um if you're into crystals uh you get a selenite wand and (laughs) Put it around your head or your body, your sage, and imagine like the energetic cords that are created between you and other people cutting. A lot of it that you can do is simply visualization. Like you can, you can do energy work by imagining, you know, like a gold light or a white light coming in from above into the crown of your head and going down through your body and clearing anything out and then going down into your out, outside your feet and sort of creating a tunnel of light. I know that sounds kind of weird to some people, but um, there's a lot of ways that you can work on clearing your energy. Um, those were just a few, but again, I highly recommend it. The The fact that you use the physical shower is 
actually a good technique because a lot of times I'll teach my clients how to take an energy shower, Mm -hmm. especially people who like, like hairdressers, cosmeticians, those kind of people who are physically touching people all the time. And a lot of times they're in a negative environment because it's gossipy or whatever. And they're, they're just picking up all this negative stuff and go in the back room, take 30, 45 seconds. People just think you're, you're using the facilities or mixing up something, put yourself under a waterfall and just imagine all that energy, the dirtiness, right? That's not yours going down, being washed away from the waterfall and then swirling down river and the earth will use it, trans, transmute it. We'll change it into something and yeah. use it for something good, watering the plants, you know, filtering down into the earth to be cleaned, whatever it is. Yeah. But you can also do the same thing in your shower, which is what you're doing. I'm glad you mentioned the part about transmuting energy because that's also important. Like in my, in that ritual, at the end of stating all of these things that I want to cleanse myself of, I also say, transmute this all into love and light and then fill me with sort of like divine source energy. But that's important because if you are ridding yourself of this energy and you're just getting it off your body or your energetic body, it's just now in your space, it could bounce back. So this is something I actually learned from a psychic energy healer that I uh, <laughs> worked with recently. She's wonderful. Uh, her name is Lexi Soul. Um, if you're interested in energy work, I highly recommend her. But yeah, you gotta, you have to make sure that you're also transmuting that energy. So you're, it's not just getting, you know, like flung back into your sort of aura or, you know, space. <laughs> yeah. Two things. Number one, energy can't be destroyed, but it can be changed. So that's mm-hmm. the point of that. But the other thing is, if you're in the shower, you can just imagine it swirl down the drain and going back into the earth to be used for something good. Yeah. That's all that it takes. It's just that, that setting that intention that this this is coming through to cleanse me of all this negative stuff that's not even mine, that mm-hmm. I shouldn't be carrying, that serves no purpose for me to carry it. And it's going to be returned to the earth to be used for something good. Setting intentions is such a powerful practice. I, I set intentions all day with everything I want to do. You had said this earlier and it's so true. When we set intentions, we're basically setting ourselves up to succeed more than if we weren't because we're training our brain to pay attention to the things that support that. So we'll end up taking actions and attracting things that are aligned with the intention. But I think every day, start your day by setting an intention for the day. Maybe you say, I set the intention to lead with my highest self for my greatest good, or I set the intention to make myself proud today. I also always set intentions um, before I do something like this, like go on a podcast. I set the intention to have a clear mind and deliver you know, powerful thoughts. So anytime you're engaging in any sort of activity that you want to be more successful, um, set an intention. It's It's... It seems like it wouldn't do much, but you would be surprised. So we're coming near the end of our time together. You had mentioned before that you have a book that people might be interested in. Yes, the Career Pivot Playbook. So this is everything I could have wanted and needed back when I felt stuck at my career in Google. It really is. uh, It's an ebook. It's free. It's your map to discovering your best career path. Re- going through all of this self-discovery work we spoke about to understand what are your real passions and strengths and, you know, superpowers. And also what isn't working about your career? That's another thing. We don't often understand what's wrong. We just know it doesn't feel good. So it guides you through all of that, helps you find your best career path. And then it also helps you 
create a strategic action plan to get there, start building momentum and build the foundation to your personal brand. Because like I had mentioned, a personal brand is the secret to making a successful career pivot of any kind. I don't care if it's changing industries, getting a new job, you know, any kind of career change, a personal brand can be supportive of that. So the career pivot playbook will walk you through all of this so that you end up leaving with a clear say and, and confidence in what you want to do next in your career. The link for that will be right below. Also the link to your website, which is stephpinsley.com, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that will be down below as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so I want to thank you for being my guest and thank the listeners for listening. Are there any final words you'd like to throw in that sure. um, I'm interested in? I say this quite a bit, but I think it's so important. Don't wait for confidence and clarity to come before taking action. That will keep you stuck forever. Confidence and clarity are the results of action, not the prerequisites. So be open to taking messy and perfect action. Take all the pressure off if you're trying something new, dipping your toes into new waters, like creating content on new niches. Take the pressure off yourself. Allow yourself to be imperfect and you will eventually end up creating this feeling of readiness because we're all waiting to feel ready. We're waiting for the perfect time. Well, guess what? You'll be waiting forever. That only comes when you start to take action. So I hope that gives some people um, a bit of boost of motivation to just take that first step towards whatever is in your heart today. Because I know we all have a vision for something. It's nestled deep in our soul. We just have to get it to the surface. So, yeah. And then we're going to leave it right there. Thank you very much for being with us today. This is Jane Porter. I'm your host for the Focused Practical Dreamers Journey podcast. Until next time. Thank you, Jean. This was great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Focused Practical Dreamers Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Remember to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey.